sermon text this evening is Haggai chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the Old Testament, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament, to the book of Haggai, and the second chapter. And we're going to be focusing in our sermon on uh, verses 1 to 9, where the people are growing discouraged, the Lord reassures them of his presence, and calls them to persevere. But let us pray then for the Spirit of God to illuminate this text to us. Let's pray. Father, your omniscience, your all-knowing, all-powerful, infinite glory is too high for us. It's too wonderful for us to understand. But we pray, Father, for a glimpse, a taste of your love and to know something of your power tonight. We long for the joy of your presence to move in our midst and to strengthen us to bind up the brokenhearted, heal the afflicted, and strengthen us for perseverance. And Father, we thank you that you do this by the preaching of your word. And so we pray that you might bless the preaching of your word this evening for your own namesake and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us read Haggai chapter two. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people saying, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now I ask the priests concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? 
Then the priests answered and said, no. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priests answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to heap to a heap of twenty ephahs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight and mildew and heal in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. It's interesting that there's one lesson in the Christian life that many older Christians will attest to and say it's a vitally important lesson, and yet it's one that many young new believers, those who profess faith, um, they often don't persevere long enough to, to learn it. Um, and that is the importance of perseverance in the Christian life. The importance of perseverance in the Christian life. And we can only persevere in our Christian lives according to the presence of the Lord with us and sustaining us. And tonight, as we look at these first nine verses of Haggai chapter two, we're gonna be meditating on this call to persevere. And so the title of the sermon is Discouragement and Determination. Discouragement and Determination. We're gonna see how the people are discouraged and why they're discouraged, why they've grown despondent in the work of rebuilding the temple after such initial enthusiasm. But we're gonna see how then, by the word of God, they are called to be strong and to work. They're called to be determined in the work of rebuilding the temple. So the three points are, uh, the people are discouraged, the people are called to be determined, and the Lord has determined that the glory of this temple shall be greater than the former. The people are discouraged, the people are called to be determined, and the Lord has determined. So, first, the people are discouraged. We see this in verses one to three. In the seventh month, on the 21st uh, of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you? 
who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? The first prophecy had come to the people of Israel here uh, on the 29th of August, 520 BC. We're now a little bit further on than that. We're on the 17th of October, 520 BC. The initial enthusiasm in the work of rebuilding the temple is wearing down. In our last student Bible study that we have on, on Friday nights here, we were looking at, at Mark chapter four and the parable of the sower, when our Lord describes uh, the, the sower sowing the word, which is the word of God, and then the different responses uh, to the word. And we were looking at how there are some who, who hear the word but, but have no root and so do not persevere. There can be a lot of initial enthusiasm, but it doesn't, it doesn't last. But what we see here in this passage is, is God, by his grace, sees the people, his people, who are discouraged, and he revives them. He revives them by telling them that he is with them. He is with them according to the word that he has covenanted with them. He is with them. And that's the message of reassurance for us who trust in the Lord Jesus this evening. If we're feeling discouraged, if we're feeling despondent, the word of the Lord comes to us and says, I am with you. I am with you. There is a deeper problem, though, that these people are facing. It's not just that the initial enthusiasm is wearing down. It's that some of them remember what the former temple was like, and they see what this temple is beginning to amount to, what it's likely to amount to, and it looks like very little. It says even in the passage, it looks like nothing in their eyes. This is recorded for us in the book of Ezra. In chapter three of the book of Ezra, verses 10 to 13, we see the different responses that the people of Israel have whenever uh, the rebuilding of the temple begins. Let me read these verses to you. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And then here's what we see. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses Old men who had seen the first temple wept aloud, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted for joy, shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Those who had seen the, the former temple, the exile, remember, had lasted 70 years, so maybe they had boyhood memories of the glory of this temple before the Babylonians had swept in and destroyed it. Judgment of God had fallen on them, and they had spent their lives in exile, and now they come back and perhaps are filled with hope at the work of rebuilding the temple, and they see what it's likely to amount to, and they weep. But yet there are those who are there who, have, who, who do not have those memories and they shout with joy 
They shout with joy because God is at work in their midst. I wonder what your attitude is this evening to the work of building up the church. Is it that attitude of despondency that you can remember what the church used to be like 50 years ago? Do you remember the good old days? And so there's a despondency or maybe it's a youthful enthusiasm at the work that lies before you. The important thing is that we are called to partake of the work, to set ourselves, fix ourselves on doing the work of rebuilding, building up uh, the church. We get another angle on this from Zechariah chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. Um, Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is the prophet Zechariah speaking. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Get another angle from a different prophet on those who were despondent and discouraged. And they're rebuked. Do not dare despise this work. Because the deep, deep problem was very, very traumatic, actually, when you think about it. Is that the Ark of the Covenant had been lost in 586 BC. And so the stones that the finger of God had written on had been lost in the Babylonian exile. So can you imagine the discouragements that must have been circulating among the people of God at this time? And with that in mind then, we move into our second point, which is how they're called to be determined, and we read verses four and five of chapter two. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. The former temple may have been destroyed, the ark of the covenant may have been lost, but God is with them. His presence is with them according to the covenant that he made with them when they came out of Egypt. He has not changed. And the earthly artifacts are not necessary. He has not changed and he is with them and so they are to be strong in the work of rebuilding the temple. God's unilateral covenant of grace is unbreakable. So do not fear. It's his work. And he calls them then, he calls them and he says, look back to the Exodus. Look back to the loving kindness, the covenant faithfulness of God in bringing you out of slavery when you were in Egypt. He has not changed. The covenant has not changed. The Lord says that he is with them And he calls them to be strong and work. And the same is true for you this evening. He calls you to be strong 
and work. He calls you to be determined in how you serve him. And how are you to do that? Well, you're to remember who you serve. You're to remember that this is the God who has made an everlasting covenant with all who will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, a covenant of grace, a covenant that you will be my people and I will be your God. Remember who you serve this evening and remember how he called you. He spoke to the people of Israel and he, and he said to them, look back to the Exodus. Look back to when the Lord Jesus Christ brought you out of slavery to sin. Remember what it was like when he set you free from slavery to sin, whether that was as a child, as a teenager, or when you were older. Remember what it was like when he called you out of the dominion of Satan, the power that sin held over you. You were set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember that. Be strong and work. Maybe this evening, there could be someone who's even tempted to that most dreadful sin of despair. That most dreadful sin of despair, that most dreadful temptation to give up in the Christian life. You look around and see the discouragements in the world, you see the hardness of heart in our society at large. Maybe you're tempted to despair. Well, Satan has been trying to sow the seeds of despair for hundreds of years. In 1776, at aged 83, age 83, French philosopher Voltaire, atheistic philosopher Voltaire, wrote a two-volume work called The Bible Fully Explained. It was a commentary on the whole Bible. And his purpose was to go through verse by verse and chapter by chapter and quote, make the whole building of Christianity crumble. He sought to criticize the scripture over two volumes. And in the end of his massive work, which derided the Bible on every page, he stated, quote, the subject is now exhausted. The cause is decided for those who are willing to avail themselves of their reason and their lights, and people will no more read this Bible. He said that in 1776. We're now, what, 250 years on? And objectively, there are many millions more people across the globe who profess faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God than there ever have been. Many millions more who read the Bible daily in a host of languages all across the world. The church buries its undertakers. Those who think that they're saying they're doing away with Christianity, the church buries them. Maybe you've heard of Friedrich Nietzsche and how he, he said that uh, God was dead in 1882. There's some graffiti where, where that was written up. Uh, God is dead, Friedrich Nietzsche. And then someone wrote below it, Nietzsche is dead, God. Nietzsche passed away in 1900, thereabouts. The church buries its undertakers. So this evening, if you are tempted to despair, 
you have no need to be. You have no need to despair. We know from Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 18 to 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is still with his church. He's still building his church. We still see the church grow. We still see people repent and come to faith in him. We still see new life. We still see the regenerating work of the Spirit in our midst. He is with us. He is at work. So don't despair. The one who has all authority is present with us as we go to build up the church. Point three. The Lord is determined and he has determined. Specifically, I want to draw your attention to two things in this passage that he has determined. First, verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. This is the only portion of Haggai that is cited in the New Testament, and that's in uh, Hebrews 12, 25 to 29, where it says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, uh, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And so there are two, two points to draw out from that. The first is the gospel goes out and shakes the nations. The gospel goes out and shakes the nations. That's the initial shaking, the transformation of the world as the, the gospel spreads and people are, are saved. And also there will be a final judgment and at the new heavens uh, and the coming of the new heavens and the new earth, only the church will remain at that ultimate shaking. At that ultimate shaking, only the church will remain. So the call then is, do not refuse him who speaks. Do not refuse him who speaks when he returns from heaven to judge the living and the dead and cast the unrepentant and the unbelieving into hell. Do not refuse him if you wish to stand in the judgment. You must repent and obey his gospel. But there's a second thing to see that the Lord has determined. And that's in verse 9. The Lord has determined that the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So how is the glory of this latter temple to be greater than the former? The Messiah himself would walk in the temple that's a ribabel laid this foundation for. The Messiah himself, the Lord Jesus himself, walked in this temple nearly 500 years later. The Prince of Peace walked in this temple. The one who was elected by the Father from before the foundation of the earth 
walked in this temple to tell the scribes and the Pharisees as we saw this morning, if you destroy this temple, I destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. It was all 500 years of history choreographed perfectly by our almighty and sovereign God. The glory of this second temple is greater than the former as the Messiah walks in it. The people of Israel, as they were setting out to rebuild the temple, could not have, could not have known or understood that. And we need to remember that then as we think about what we're called to do, build up the church. The glory, so too then, the glory of the temple that we are building in the church, one another in the church, will be so much greater than we can imagine. We cannot imagine the glory of the work of redemption then that our God is accomplishing through the preaching of his word and the conversion and salvation of sinners. So do not be discouraged this evening. Do not fear this evening. The Lord Jesus Christ is with his disciples, will be with his disciples to the end of the age. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he will be with us as we go out to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. So when the nations do then finally shake at his second coming, may the work of our hands stand firm. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are with us. And though we do not know the full glory of the temple that we are involved in building, we pray for you to sustain our faith, guard us against despair, and strengthen us with a knowledge of your presence. And we know that our lives are short, so we ask that they may be used well and unto your glory. And we pray, therefore, that you might establish the work of our hands as we seek to build one another up in love and in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.